Thank you, Brother Terry. My goodness. Hope you know that man. Make a difference in your life. If you don't right now, I hope you will before the service is over with. If you brought your Bibles, turn to the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to... Uh, we're going to look at three passages of Scripture, and we're going to start with Deuteronomy chapter 10, and I'm going to share a sermon entitled, We Are His Workmanship Unto Good Works. We Are His Workmanship Unto Good Works. And I'm going to be sharing from Deuteronomy chapter 10, then we're going to look over to Ephesians chapter 2, familiar passage, and then Romans chapter 12, and think along the line of, We Are His Workmanship unto good works. And so if you're physically able, if you'll stand for the reading of God's infallible, inerrant, inspired word, the scripture will be on the screen. If you don't have your Bible with you, hope you do. But anyway, for your convenience, it should be there. Deuteronomy chapter 10, and we're going to read verse 12, one verse, and then we're going to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. God's word says in Deuteronomy 10, Verse 12, Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Now, here's what God required. Fear the Lord your God to walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Serve him. Now, if you would, look at Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, familiar passage, and we're going to look at verse 8 through 10. Sometimes we leave out verse 10, but we want to see all three verses together. Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then a familiar passage in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12, and we'll look at verse 1 and 2. Primarily our text. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity to worship you in song and praise songs and hymns. And thank you, Lord, for being able to, to view our baptismal service today and the two young girls that were baptized. And now, Father, as we open your word, we pray that you will speak to our hearts. Help us to be not only hearers, but doers of your word. Be with me. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. And then, Father, at the appropriate time, I pray that those who are here who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life would call upon you today and ask you to save them. And, Lord, you tell us that whoever, whosoever calls upon your name, that you'll save. And so we thank you for that promise in your word. Thank you and be, be uh, blessed today, Lord, and as, we, as I share this message and we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you. May be seated. Well, listen, it's that time of the year again. I'm not talking about it's the end of summer or it's back to school or it's a political campaign or elections coming up. But I'm referring to the time of the year when our nominating committee and I seek to find enough people who are willing to serve their Lord and his church for one year in various positions and ministries. Now, according to the Bible, the way that God intends for his work inside the church to carry on and his work outside the church to carry on is through the members, through the work of his, the members of the body. Now, Ephesians chapter 2, if you'll look at that just for a moment, or you may remember it, from, you may recall it from your heart. Salvation is a gift of God. The Bible says, for by grace you're saved, through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So salvation is a gift from God. You receive this gift or you can reject this gift. Now, we know it's a gift because Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says it's a, salvation is a gift from God. Verse 9, Ephesians 2 verse 9 says that salvation is not of works, least any man should boast. So we don't have anything to boast about what we did in order to be saved. God does the saving. Ephesians 2 verse 10, but after you're saved, we're recreated in Christ unto good works. And so the sermon title, we are his workmanship unto good works. Now we don't work in order to be saved, but we serve the Lord because we are saved. So the point is, after we're saved by faith in Christ, we serve Christ and others. So we're saved to serve. We're not served to get saved, but we're saved to serve. But I suggest to you this morning that at least, well, probably 50% of all the people that are here already knew that. That for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, least any man should boast. You already knew that. Pretty had, had a good understanding of those verses before I just uh, did an exegesis on those verses. But someone has said that as Baptists, we know more than we're doing. Now, we know we're saved by grace. We know we're saved to serve. But we know more than we're doing. So the question is not, why should I serve God in the church? But the question is, why am I not serving God? Why am I not using my spiritual gifts that have been given to me by the Holy Spirit? So the question's not, why am, why, am I, uh, why am I not serving the church and using those gifts that God has given me? You see, the church is the greatest institution on earth. You ever thought of that? The church, the body of Christ, the church of the living God, the greatest institution on the face of the earth. It's greater than all of our colleges and our universities. The church is greater than all the branches of government. It's greater than any institution on earth. Well, why is it the greatest institution on earth? Have you ever thought of that? Well, first of all, because Christ instituted the church. He, he instituted marriage first. That was his first institution. And then later he instituted the church. Matthew 16, uh, 18 says, Christ said, listen. He said, upon this rock I'll build what? My church. 
And so he instituted the church. And so it's the greatest institution because he instituted. It's the greatest institution because Christ is the head of it. Colossians 1 verse 18 says he is the head of the body of Christ. And so Christ is the head of the church. And it's the greatest institution also because the church is the bride of Christ. And when you read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it tells how one day Jesus, and I believe it's going to be soon, he's going to come back for his bride, the church. The church. So the big question again is, why aren't God's people willing to serve in the greatest institution on the face of the earth, which is the church? You serve everywhere else. You serve at school. You're part of this organization, that part of the organization. We do all types of uh, parent organizations in the school. We've got the athletic clubs. We've got the band clubs. We've got, uh, we got different types of organizations. We've got the Lions Club, the VF. That the list goes on and on. We serve in those, but why will, not, why will God's people not serve, not all, will not serve in the greatest institution on the earth, the church? Why is that? Well, I suggest to you this morning that the Christian who's not serving in the greatest institution on earth is the Christian who's not fully surrendered to the Lord. I didn't get an amen. I, I didn't think I would. I suggest that. And let's see what God says about it. So before the Lord, before the Lord gets your total service, he must get you. He has to get you. And if he don't have you, you're not going to be serving. But if he has you, you're going to serve the Lord and you're going to serve his church. Look at Romans chapter 12. Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Paul makes a shift from doctrine in chapters 1 through 11, and he makes a shift to practice in Romans chapter 12. He establishes doctrine in the first part of the book, and now he moves to the practice. Paul's saying, based on everything that I've said, chapters 1 through 11... This is what you need to put into practice. Verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren. I beseech you therefore. Now what's therefore, therefore? It's there because of chapters 1 through 11. And all that he said in chapters 1 through 11, he comes to chapter 12 and says, what I've told you and spoke to you doctrinally, here's what I want you to do in a practical way. He says, I, therefore... I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. Now, all through chapters 1 through chapter 11, he uses this word, therefore. For instance, in chapter 3, if you'll just flip back a few, uh, few chapters. Chapter 3, look at verse 20. Chapter 3, verse 20. Chapter 3, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. Not saved by the law. You're not going to be justified by the law. How you keep the law. How you keep rules. You're not going to be justified that way. You're not going to be justified in his sight. 
for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Turn over to chapter 5. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're justified not by the law, we're justified by what? We're justified by faith, and by faith we have peace with God. Look, if you will, at chapter 8, chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So, therefore, we're not justified by the law, chapter 5. Therefore, we're justified by, by faith. Therefore, chapter 8, verse 1, there's no more, uh, there's no more condemnation. No more condemnation. Now look at chapter 12, verse 1. That's where we part. Chapter 12, verse 1. And he says, Therefore, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And so Paul is saying, although we're, we're, uh, we're guilty before God, although we deserve to die, we have been declared righteous through faith in Christ and will never experience condemnation. Now, based on chapters 1 through 11, we should present our bodies a living sacrifice to God. We should surrender ourselves to Him. Now, there are three ways you surrender yourself to God that He's speaking of here. I'm going to point those out to you real quick. Number one, if you're taking notes. Number one, these are three ways to offer your surrender. Offer your body, chapter, one, verse, or chapter 12, verse 1. Now, what did he say there? He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Offer your bodies. Offer your bodies. In view of the mercies of God. Now, what does that mean? That, that means all that God's done for you. That means he saved you by his grace. That means you're justified not by the law but by faith. That means that you can have the assurance there's never going to be any condemnation on you. Because of, your, because of the mercies of God, you need to offer your total being to God as a sacrifice. That's what he's saying. Present your bodies. The word offer, present, or offer describes someone that's presenting an animal for a sacrifice. That person takes the animal and he puts his hands on that animal. And when he puts his hands on that animal, that owner is laying hands on that animal and he's saying to everyone, this animal's taking my place. I'm offering this animal in my place as a sacrifice to God. And Paul is saying, because of God's mercy, you need to offer your entire being to God. God don't want bits and pieces of your life. He don't want you to come to church once a month and, and maybe serve. Maybe you have a, maybe you're on security first Sunday of the month and you come and do security. And then you don't come back the rest of the month. My God, He don't want bits and pieces of your life. Think of all the mercies that you've received from God. Think of your forgiveness. Think of you being saved, not by your works, but by His grace through your faith in Him. Think about, think of all the things He's done for you, and He's assured you no condemnation whatsoever. And Paul says, by the mercies of God, offer your body a sacrifice to God. All of your body. 
He don't want part of you, but he wants you. I, I read an illustration years and years ago, and, and the church received an offering during the offering time, and this little boy didn't have any money to put in the offering. He didn't have anything to give to the Lord. And so when the plate came to him, he sets the plate down on the floor, and he stands in the plate. He didn't have any money to give, but he gave himself. I don't have any money, but I'm standing in the plate. Lord, you take my entire being. What a message in, what a message in that little boy. And that's what God wants. You think God needs your money and my money? He don't need our money. He wants us. That's what he wants. So how do I offer myself to God? First of all, you offer your body, you, and that means your total self to God. Every part of you. But secondly, jot this down. You offer your mind. Do you see that? Chapter, one, chapter 12, verse uh, 1. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The most reasonable thing you can do for God is to offer yourself because of all he's done for you. But verse 2, he says this. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I'm going to offer God my body, but I'm going to offer God my mind. You see, in order to totally surrender, we have to focus on being transformed and not conformed to the world. Are you conformed to this world? Does this world have more control on you than the Lord has on you? Are you conformed to the world, or have you been transformed? Conformed, not transformed. So in order to be totally surrendered, we have to focus on being transformed from the world. Now, God intends for us to be different. He don't want us to be strange, but he wants us not to be worldly. The world we're not to conform to the world. My values are different than the world. As a Christian, my values are different than the world, or from the world. As a Christian, my morals are different from the world because I have a biblical worldview. I don't have a worldly worldview or a secular worldview. A worldview. I have a biblical worldview. I have a biblical worldview of marriage. I believe marriage is for one, with one man, one woman, for all of life. I believe that. That's my biblical worldview. I believe that's what the Bible teaches. I have a biblical worldview in regards to abortion. I believe life begins at conception. I have a biblical worldview. I have a biblical worldview about raising children. I believe raising children like the Bible says to raise your children. I have, that's my biblical worldview. I have a, a biblical worldview about modesty. I was looking through the high school annual this week, and there's no way that Judy and I would allow our daughter to dress like some of those girls dress. I'm sorry, I just have a biblical worldview about modesty. That's just me. What kind of worldview you have about modesty? One of my favorite songs, and I've quoted it before, and I want to use it again today. 
This old song says, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasure's laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Do you feel at home here? Or you kind of feel out of place? Let me tell you, as a believer, you should feel out of place. You should feel out of place. So the point is, we're to be different. We're not to be strange, but we're not to be worldly. Notice, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. You see, when you get saved, you have this inner change in you. I mean, you may look the same on the outside, but something happens on the inside. And all of a sudden, you have this God perspective. and You have this biblical perspective, or you should have. This transformation, this metamorphosis, it's not something we do on our own. God is the one that, that brings about this metamorphosis from the inside out. We're to be different on the outside because we're different on the inside. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we present our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. We do that because we re, we're reflecting on the mercies of God. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit will begin to transform our lives. So therefore, to express my total surrender to God, I offer my body, my total being, I offer my mind, but then I offer my will. Here's the point. God, I'm giving you my total being and being a member, I'm speaking members of Mountain View Baptist Church, if you're attending somewhere else, it, the same is for you true, but for you also. It's true for you also. Go back to your church and say, God, I'm, I'm offering you my total being to be a servant here at this church. Serving you, serving here, serving other people. I'm giving you my total, my total being. So God, with that in mind, what is your will for my life in serving you? Offer your body, offer your mind, offer your will. I know that I'm spiritually gifted. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm spiritually gifted. I know that I have these natural abilities. You know, I'm good with electricity and I'm good with carpentry. Or ladies, you might be good with baking or you might be good with, with sewing. I don't know. But you have natural abilities, but you have spiritual gifts. So take your spiritual gifts and your natural abilities and put those together and serve the local church. Why is that? You've given God your body, your total being. You've given him not only your body, but you've given him your mind. And now you're giving him your will. What would you will for me to do? I mean... Do I need to sing in the choir, Lord? Or do I need to work in children's church? Or do I need to work in the nursery? Do I need to work security? Do I need to be an usher? Do I need to work on buildings and grounds? Do I need to help with the youth? Do I need to help with the housekeeping? Maybe come over and wash windows someday when I have time? Or do I need to work in the media, the, the audiovisual? Do I, do I need to work in the women's ministry, the men's ministry? Whatever. What is your will for my life in serving you? I know I'm saved. I know I'm spiritually gifted. I know I have these natural abilities. And so, Lord, I give you my body. I give you my mind. Now I give you my will. What do you want me to do? This morning, the question's not, why should I serve God and his church? But the question should be, 
if appropriate, why am I not serving God and the church? Now, this morning, just remember, he saved you for a purpose. And his purpose was for you to serve. We saw that in Deuteronomy 10, 12. What God requires of us. He wants us to serve him. We saw that in Ephesians 2, verse 10. We created workmanship to serve God. We're his workmanship in order to serve him. And then we've seen it in Romans chapter 12. To offer our body a sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him because of the mercies that's been demonstrated to us. And so ask yourself this question. Have I fully surrendered to the Lord? Have I totally surrendered my body? Total surrender myself? Have I surrendered my mind? Am I conformed to the world? Do I need to be transformed? Have I surrendered my will? Oh God, what would you have me to do? Let me finish with this. Where, where, where are you? Where are you? I, I ask that because that's what God asks of us. That's what he asks of Adam. In Genesis chapter 3, 9, after Adam and Eve sinned, God came and he says, Adam, where are you? So God's asking you and me today, where are you? Where are you? You see, God knew where Adam was. Now get this. He knew where Adam was. He's all-knowing. He's all sovereign. He knew where Adam was, but he wanted Adam to know where he was. Where are you? He knows where you are. He wants you to know where you are in regards to serving him and his church. Where are you? See, where, where are you in your discussion of accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior? Where are you in that? Maybe you say, well, Brother Sammy, I've been planning to do that one day. Well, it's time you make up your mind. Joshua 24, verse 15, you know what Joshua said? He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He made up his mind for himself, but then, then he made up his mind for his house. As for me and my house. So, so guys, we're spiritual leaders of our home. So you need to make up your mind about yourself, then you need to make up your mind about your home. You don't take a vote on Sunday whether to go to church. You do that right now. You make some decisions before those times come. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Never was mentioned again. That's what they did. That's what he wants us to do. So you need to get serious with your relationship with the Lord. Some of you need to just step out unashamedly, walk down this aisle and, and say, Brother Sammy, I, I want to know how to be saved. I'm lost. I want to know how to be saved. Or come down the aisle and say, Brother Sammy, I, I want to know how I can find this new life in Christ. I wouldn't embarrass you for nothing. And after everyone leaves, we'll just sit and talk. We won't talk about being a Baptist. We'll talk about coming to Christ, being saved. You may want to say, Lord, today I'm going to be praying where you want me to serve. You need to be praying to begin that walk with him. Come to receive Christ. You receive Christ. That's what John 12 verse 1 says. John says, many has received him. To them he gave the power to become the sons of God. You receive Christ. 
Come and fully surrender your life. Come and, and just unite with the church if you feel that this is where God wants you to serve. Come and respond to God's call on your life, to preach the gospel. I had, a, had someone to call me yesterday and said, you know where I can find a supply preacher? Listen, if God's calling you to preach, you need to respond to that call because he's going to continue to do it and life's going to be miserable until you respond to the Holy Spirit if God has his hand upon you and being called to be in ministry. You need to respond. Don't put that off. Listen, I'd rather serve the Lord and I'd rather preach the word of God than anything I've ever done in my life or that I ever will do. I'm not the best, but he's called me and I'm going to try to do my best until he takes me home. And if he's calling you, you need to respond. I feel God's calling me to preach. I don't, or I'm feeling God calling me to do some type of vocational ministry. I don't know what it is right now, but he's going to make it clear to you if you'll respond. I went to my dad one day and I said, Dad, how do you know God's calling you to preach? God was really dealing with me. And he said, well, you'll know, son. I'm thinking, that don't help me worth a flip. You'll, you'll know. Listen, I knew I really did. But what I, was, what I wasn't doing was taking that step of faith. And when I took that step of faith and said, Here I am, Lord. Take me, use me, whatever you want to do, wherever you want to use me. And then all of a sudden, bam, 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 bam. Things begin to happen in my life and God begin to direct me and guide me. But he has to have that full surrender. He has to not have bits and pieces of you, but he has to have all of you before he works in your life. Terry's going to lead us in a hymn of invitation. And so, you may be a guest here this morning. If you're a guest, that's all right. Come. It's not about the Baptist church. It's about receiving Christ into your life. After everyone leaves, we'll just talk for a while. But I ask you to come. Let's stand together prayerfully. And, and just, as the song says, as, as Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 says, I surrender all. Based on the mercies of God, I surrender all to him. Come today and surrender all. You come, all right, come on. Don't wait.